Coming up on this week's show, Chris Jason is here talking about her debut novel, Wait For Me, and her journey from editor to author. Welcome to the Big Gay Fiction Podcast, the show for readers and writers of gay romance fiction. If you can read it, write it, watch it, or listen to it, these two guys are going to talk about it. Now, here are your hosts, Jeff Adams and Will Knauss. Welcome to episode 118 of Jeff and Will's Big Gay Fiction Podcast. I'm Jeff from jeffadamswrites.com. And I'm Will from willknauss.com. This week's episode is brought to you in part by listeners just like you. We'll have more information on how you can help support this show in just a few moments. Welcome back. Thank you. Another week, another show. I hope everyone out there uh, listening, uh, no matter where you are, I hope you are staying warm. The The U.S. is a frozen tundra currently, and... Um, <laughs> Um, with the exception of us, I think we are the only place yeah. in the entire country that isn't frozen solid. I think the West and Southwest is the only place that it's like... It's a mess right now. Yes. Um, yeah. So how are you? How was this week? I'm good. It was a pretty good week. Um, got back into the swing of things as the new year started. Swing! Swing! <laughs> um, our Dream Spun sequel to Hockey Player's Heart is almost done, first draft-wise. Mm-hmm. Um, I had an amazing 17,000 word week, uh, which I fully accredit to Dragon for letting me have a couple of days where I had 4,000 word plus days. And those are, those have been abnormal for me, but I, I would love it if they were becoming perhaps the new normal mm-hmm. would be nice. At least a couple of days a week to kind of squeak those in there would be very cool. So guess what starts this week? I don't, I don't know. What does start this week? The Hockey Player's Heart blog tour. Ah. And associated fun things around the debut of this book. Uh, starting January 10th, which is Wednesday, we will be doing Facebook Live each evening from our author page. And we'll put the link to that in the show notes. Uh, we haven't announced the times yet specifically for that, but that'll be coming up this week. Plus, on Friday, January 12th, the blog tour itself starts on the Hearts on Fire website. There's going to be giveaways and excerpts and all kinds of cool stuff going on. So we hope you'll join us along the way for this. Um, also, this very day as we record on Sunday, January 7th, uh, our book hit number five on the Dream Spinner bestseller list. So congratulations, bestselling author, co-author, co-host. <laughs> Thank you. Um, <laughs> I have never been this high up on the Dream Spinner list with a book that I've had uh, solo, so I'm pretty excited that we have broken into that that top row of the chart. So, mm-hmm. yay rah! Yeah. So, for more information and to check out those videos on Facebook, all you have to do is search for authors Jeff and Will. Yes, and that link directly to our page will be in our show notes as well. For sure. So, this week we also uh, have a trip planned now. Yay. Yes, the um, uh, words. I don't know. I was. <laughs> you were so geared up to say I something. Like, I've got, got something important to say. And then I'm like, um, no. Okay, so uh, we we talked about actually last week about the first quarter of 2018 is mainly going to be um, wrapping up some author projects, and then we're going to be uh, attempting a move. Here in California, uh, but after that move, <laughs> our year is starting to very slowly fill in. Last year, 
Uh, we pretty much said we're not going to do anything at all uh, in 2018, but uh, as... <laughs> Bits and pieces start to fill themselves in anyway. As serendipity is wont to do, <laughs> um, events are slowly starting to trickle into our schedule for the new year. Yes. And we will be appearing at the LA Times Festival of Books. Yes. April 21st and 22nd uh, takes place on the USD campus. As we understand it, this event is huge. Um, we saw pictures of it last year because Dream Spinner was there with several other authors. And this year we will be part of uh, the folks attending and hanging out in the Dream Spinner booth. As well as, I'm sure we'll be wandering around checking out everything there is to see in this two-day event. Uh, we'll have talk, We'll talk about a lot more stuff that we'll be doing as we get closer to it. Because we just kind of finalized this uh, a day or two ago. So be, be on the lookout for more on that. And if you're going to the festival, we hope you'll stop by and say hi. Because mm -hmm. that'll be cool. Yes. Um, also, a quick note, in case you missed it earlier this week, our favorite bookstore, The Ripped Bodice, down in L.A., was heavily featured on CBS's sitcom Life in Pieces this week. Uh, I believe it was last season that Diane Weist's character, Joan, uh, was in a romance writing class, and she has written this book, and she was appearing at the Ripped Bodice to do a reading, uh, which her she had to kick her family out of because they were making her tense. Uh, you can see Life in Pieces streaming on CBS.com and on the CBS All Access app if you missed it. Uh, it was a delightful segment of the show, and it was nice to see the interior of the store. Uh, last season, the a very tiny sliver of their pink facade appeared on the show. Uh, as the uh, the kids were out loose in L.A. on their own. And uh, this year the show moved into the shop proper. That was very cool. So that's all the news for the week. Would you like to tell the good folks how they can support the show, as we promised? Of course. As always, you can help support this podcast with a monthly pledge through Patreon. For as little as 25 cents per episode, your pledge helps pay for the costs of producing and distributing this podcast. And for fans who pledge at the silver and gold levels, you'll have the exclusive opportunity to ask questions of our upcoming guests. All patrons also have the option to have a personalized thank you sent directly from us to them. Now, any month pledges cover our monthly production cost. We'll produce a special bonus episode, especially for our patrons. Now, you can get all the details on our Patreon page. Just go to patreon.com slash biggayfictionpodcast. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash biggayfictionpodcast. Your favorite new YA hero has arrived with Tracker Hacker by Jeff Adams, the first book in the Codename Winger series. At 16, Theo Reese is the youngest agent for tactical operational support. His way with computers makes him invaluable. He designs new gadgets, helps agents, including his parents, in the field, and works to keep the TOS network safe. But when a hacker breaches the system TOS uses to track agents, Theo is put to the test like never before. Thrust from behind the safety of his desk, Theo must go into the field to put a stop to the hack. He's scared, but resolved because one of the missing agents is his father. And just to make it more interesting, he has to keep everything a secret from his boyfriend and teammates. Can Theo get the job done, save his dad, and make things good with his boyfriend? Find out in Tracker Hacker by Jeff Adams, available in ebook and paperback from Harmony Inc. Press, Amazon.com, and other online retailers. 
So aside from writing all the words last week, you are also reading all of the words and listening to them as well. So please fill our listeners in. Cool. Yes. Um, I started off the week reading uh, Shelter the Sea by Heidi Cullinan and once again did the audiobook, which is read by Iggy Toma. Uh, for this book, it's the second book in the Roosevelt series, so the sequel to Carry the Ocean. Uh, Emmett and Jeremy are back. Uh, slightly, just, just a little bit of time has passed uh, since we left them in the first book. Uh, Emmett is considering a proposal to Jeremy to marry him and is trying to figure out how to make that awesome. Uh, but they're also left with the knowledge that the Roosevelt is uh, having some financial issues keeping the, the doors open because it's not a cheap facility to keep running. Uh, and they also know that there are several bills in the Iowa State House that uh, want to more uh, privatize and make less safe uh, the mental health organizations. And so Emmett and Jeremy, along with their friend David and uh Friend Darren, who we met a little bit in the first book, take up the cause of helping to reform the mental health system in Iowa. Uh, it's truly an amazing story. We get even more uh, in-depth look here at how the mental health organizations work, uh, why they do what they do, uh, some of the pitfalls that are well known in them uh, that often these folks are kind of the cast outs from society because nobody really knows what to do with them. Uh, it's funny. It's heartbreaking. I think I spent the last uh, 35 to 40 minutes of the book crying along with it. Uh, but it's it's as incredible as uh, Carry the Ocean was, and it might actually be a touch better. Uh, Emmett and Jeremy are extraordinary characters. Um, their friends are extraordinary, and it's... I don't want to say it's an overly political book, but you certainly get a look at how some of this stuff goes down and how how bills are passed and how there are sleazy people out there gaming the system uh, against people who actually need help or occasionally gaming it against the will of the people. So a timely book to read, too, in the political climate that we're in. Mm -hmm. But do not let that scare you away from just the, the wonderful continued romance of Emmett and Jeremy. And the truly wonderful things that, they, that they're doing uh, in their lives to make their lives and the lives of others better. I can't recommend enough both Carry the Ocean and Shelter the Sea because they're amazing. And once again, Iggy Toma does an extraordinary job voicing not only Emmett and Jeremy, but now Darren has a larger role here as well. He is also on the autism scale. Uh, he does not tend to speak at all. He either signs... Uh, or he uses his iPad uh, to have it speak for him. Uh, he wrote his own little program to make the iPad do that, which was which is pretty cool. and gives you an idea of how smart he is, even though he can't speak. So pick up this book if you haven't, because I know I'm on the I'm on the I'm um, I'm late to the party uh, with these books. Uh, so yeah, check that out. Also, uh, because I've been reading a lot of authors who are who've been out there for a long time that have just not been authors I've been reading for some reason. I picked up uh, Jordan Castile Price's uh, first book in the Psychop series, which is called Among the Living. Uh, I also did this on audio, and it's read by Gomez Pugh. Uh, in this story, uh, we're introduced to Victor Bain, who is one half. He's the psychic half of a partnership. Uh, he sees dead people. Mm -hmm. uh, this is his thing. He sees dead people, and he uses the dead people around, whether it's the victim themselves or perhaps dead people who witnessed a crime, to get information about crimes that have been committed. 
his new partner is Jacob Marks. His former partner had just retired after decades on the force, and now he's got Jacob. Um, and we see how it works when you have what they call a stiff, which is a non-psychic, working with a psychic. Uh, it reminded me a lot of um, Charlie Cochet's thirds, where you had the shifter working with the non-shifter to go out and solve these cases. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this case, they're actually looking at a paranormal case, which is not something they always do, because uh, there's a succubus out there who is taking the form of whatever male you most desire and then luring you to bed and sucking out your soul. And, you know, that's not really good for you when that happens. Uh, And so they're on that case while also at the same time uh, forming a relationship between themselves. Um, I thought this was delightful. I'm so glad that I picked up one of these books. And much like thirds, I think I'll be coming back to the Psychop series Mm -hmm. uh, because it was a lot of fun. It was well-written. It was the chemistry that developed between Victor and Jacob was great. Um, I also like the supporting characters of some of the other sides that we met along the way. Um, so yeah, I'm excited that I continued to pick up something that I should have picked up a while ago. <laughs> uh, yeah. So there are my two books, uh, Shelter the Sea and Psychop number one. Awesome. Yeah. Now, uh, just sort of expanding on something I spoke about last week, I mentioned that I read uh, Logical Family by Armistead Maupin. And in this past week, The Untold Tales of Armistead Maupin, the uh, documentary uh, about the author aired on PBS. Uh, We watched it. Mm -hmm. Uh, We loved it. It was Mm -hmm. remarkable. I think the documentary and the book sort of dovetail nicely together. Uh, I think they work well as a complete package. Uh, If you're interested in watching The Untold Tales of Armistead Maupin, it is currently streaming on PBS.com. Plus, uh, the DVD is also available, and it can be streamed on Amazon. Yes, uh, we'll put all the good links to that in the show notes. I enjoyed the documentary. I haven't read the book yet, uh, but I plan to. Uh, It was was good to see these insights. There's... Uh, interviews from Laura Linney and Olympia Dukakis, lots of talk about uh, getting tales off the city, off the ground. Um, some of what you talked about from the book mm-hmm. uh, kind of uh, connected into that show, especially around Rock Hudson mm-hmm. and stuff. So I, I'm, I'm very glad we got to watch it. Yeah, good stuff. Want to hang out with us between shows? Check us out on Facebook. You never know what we might post. News about book sales, bonus video content, and maybe even a live broadcast or two. Like us today at facebook.com slash biggayfictionpodcast and see what we get up to next. So recently I had the opportunity to speak with Chris Jason. Uh, Chris is an editor at MLR Press and is also now a debut author. Uh, with the book that I uh, reviewed uh, a few weeks back yeah. called Wait For Me, uh, which I really, really enjoyed this look at a military relationship uh, with a soldier who's actively deployed and kind of what that means to the relationship in general. Uh, it was great talking to Chris, and she'll tell us about that book, the sequel to the book, which is coming out in February, and what it was like making the switch over from editor to author. Today, I'm welcoming Chris Jason to the podcast. Chris met her soldier in high school, but didn't marry him until almost 10 years later. She moved around with him and their daughters, born in two different states, thanks to the Army, for the first 19 years of their marriage before settling in western New York. 
Since 2008, she's been an editor-in-chief and formatting director for Man Love Romance Press, also known as MLR, and its imprints since. She also acts as editor, mentor, and sounding board for newcomers, which lets her pay it forward and help authors realize their dreams. This past November, she made her debut as an author with Wait For Me. Welcome, Chris. Hi, how are you? Good. Thank you so much for joining us. It's great to have you here. Thank you for having me. So a few weeks ago on the podcast, I talked about Wait For Me, and I just loved this story. It was so good. And it's so awesome (laughs) seeing you make your debut. Uh, Tell our listeners what Wait For Me is about. Well, Wait For Me is a story about uh, Jeff Mac McNamara, Mackey, and Scott Ash, who is a child care director. Um, Jeff has been in the Army for 18, 19 years at this point, and he has a really close group of friends that they call themselves the Heptad, and they, um, one of them is getting married, and he's at the bachelor party and meets Scott um, and needs a plus one for the wedding, and he asks Scott to save him from matchmaking. And um, from there, they get together, And um, but Jeff's being deployed within six weeks of them meeting, so a lot of their relationship is while he's deployed. So it's through emails and Skypes and uh, R&R in the middle of it, um, and then they get together at the end with a little bit of PTSD thrown in there. What was your inspiration behind the book? Um, well, I have always had a lot of plot bunnies show up to me and I've always been able to feed them off to other authors, whether it's an author I work with or someone that I knew that the story would fit and I would kind of like feed them the plot bunny. Um, because I really, if you had asked me even a year ago today, um, I'm an, I was an editor. I had no interest in being an author at all. Um, but this plot buddy just showed up. And um, wanted to be told and wouldn't let me feed them away. So um, I guess the inspiration was there's not a lot out there about what the one left behind with the military um, goes through. And I have a little bit of experience with that. (laughs) So um, I wanted to show that part of of the relationship building. And how how do you face, wait a minute, I'm sending, you know, my soldier off to war, you know, to, into a war zone. Not that we've declared war, but temp, you know, to a war zone where they could get shot at or blown up. Mm-hmm. Um, and how do you deal with that? You know, it takes a a strain. I take. I used to teach classes for the military, and one of the classes was all about you know being a military wife and whatever. And one of them was uh, one of the slides that we used to use had the seven traits of a military spouse. And there used to be an eighth trait, and the eighth trait trait was my favorite trait, which they made us get rid of, which was a little bit soft in the head. <laughs> um, because when you're looking at what you have to go through, it, it takes a, a certain person to be able to do that um, and to be able to show what you have to go through when you're the one behind um, was the inspiration behind it. How much of your own experience with your own military life kind of draws back into the book? Um, there's quite a bit because my husband's um, last deployment to Iraq, I was the family readiness coordinator or leader, which basically meant because he was the first sergeant, I was in charge of all the wives left behind. 
Um, and at that point, it was only wives. There were no um, gay spouses in, in the unit. So when they left, I was responsible for 68 spouses and 82 children. Um, and when they came back, we had 79 spouses and 97 children. So a lot of that, like the, um, the redeployment ceremony is in there. Um, I did make up the wedding scene, so that is not from any wedding that I have been to. Um, but there are little parts like the, at the reception when Mackie is giving his best man toast. Um, he talks about the table that is, um, off to the side that no one will sit at, um, which is at every military function that you go to. Um, they talk about the table that's set to the side for those that can't be with us. So that part is from an actual military ceremony. Mm -hmm. I was fascinated too, uh, actually before I go there. I had no idea that you someone could be responsible like that for all of the wives and children. That's hinted at a little bit that there's talk of the person who is the contact still on base and something happens to the folks who are deployed, right. but mm -hmm. that it is that broad of a, of a group of people you'd be responsible for. It is. Um, it, what was kind of interesting when we did it is my husband deployed with the 25th Infantry Division Artillery last time. They're in Hawaii. So half of our spouses were on the mainland and half of them were on the island. So it was kind of interesting to deal with that dynamic also. Sure, yeah, because not everybody's right there where you can see them and physically no, be present for right. them. The heptad I found fascinating in this book and how there's that close camaraderie and I have your back and it's, mm -hmm. you see it a lot with, um, p police books where there's the partners and that kind of book, but this really broadened that out. Is that also based on something that you that you've seen, or was that kind of a made up element as well? Um, actually, it's kind of a little bit of half and half. My husband has a best friend that he went through basic with, and he went through first ar first airborne with, and um, he's actually one of our children's godfathers. So there is that kind of element that they get, they reform those. You know, if you look at, um, say, the movie Band of Brothers, where if, if you've read the book or, or seen the miniseries, you see how they make those connections and they're there for each other. And that is factual. You know, there are so many that they make that connection and here you go. Um, I was just talking with, my secretary the other day at my day job and we were talking about Christmas cards and she sends out, she was like, yeah, I send out like about 60. She's like, how many do you send out? I'm like, um, about 40. And she's like, what? I'm like, cause we still have these friends that are in North Carolina and Washington state and Mississippi and Louisiana and California. And they're still so far broad wide that we still keep in touch. Mm -hmm. So that is, really a factual part of of what i've saw in the as a military spouse so i think it's awesome how you you've kind of brought this to people who who may not know what that all means i mean for me even though i've read some romances that are based with somebody in the military or coming out of the military or something i've never seen mm -hmm. one that framed so much of it like this and yet 
still managed to have the romance as the driving part of everything. You really made a nice balance there. <laughs> well, thank you. To... Um, I tried to make that balance and um, I was really good when I was working with my main beta reader, um, my friend Jen, who is awesome. Um, I always feel bad when I say who she is because I feel like I'm dropping names, but um, she is, uh, my friend Jen is J.L. Langley. So, um, and she was my main beta reader for the for the story. She would read the scenes as I went. And I was like, well, am I dropping too much? Is there too much military information? And she was like, no, there's not, you know, I was like, is it an info drop? She's like, no, no, you, you've got a nice balance going on. And so um, I did, you know, and I, and I did the one thing that I tell all authors that when I'm working with them, don't read reviews, reviews aren't for you. Um, and I actually read one that they were like, well, you know, it's kind of like they drop this and there's this instant and there's this, this. And then, wait a minute, they're in the army, but then there's Stetsons. And I'm like, okay, obviously you have no clue about what's going on and you, you missed it. Because my husband has a Stetson from being in the army. You know, the, the um, cavalry, which is, you know, 2nd Armored Cavalry Regiment. There's a, you know, they used to be on horses. Now they're mechanized, you know, they're either in a, in a helicopter or on a Humvee and they still hold up those traditions of, you know, you go on your spur ride and you earn your spurs and you earn your Stetson and once a week they're in their BDUs and boots or their ACUs and boots and they have Stetsons on the bottom of their boots and their, or not Stetsons, um, their spurs are on the bottom of their boots and they're wearing their helmet, their Stetsons and stuff. So it's part of the military. So it was kind of, I was like, okay, maybe I didn't get that across, but I guess can't everyone can't get it. It's interesting you point out that review because I've seen that review too. And it was after I read the book and I'm like, did they read the same book I did? I don't know. Yeah, I, you know, and I was like, because I was on actually Amazon for something else, and I saw that, and I was like, oh, I have some more reviews, I wonder, I, because I actually really haven't gotten a lot of feedback from readers or reviewers or such that I know people have read it, because they've told me, but I'm not, I was like, well, what are people thinking? And I read it, and I was like, okay, did I obviously didn't put something across, uh, maybe, oh, well, it can't be for everyone. Exactly. And don't read reviews. You know you shouldn't. <laughs> I know I should. I know I should. I, I tell all my authors, don't. Especially when I'm working with new authors. That's one, if I had to give them, you know, one piece of advice is reviews aren't for you. Reviews are for readers to get, you know, what's out there, what's there. Uh, it's not feedback for you. And don't read them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because yeah. it, it could hurt you one way or the other. <laughs> It could definitely hurt you. So what inspired you to finally make this transition from editor to author? Because I've certainly heard you say more than once that you really didn't ever see yourself as an author. I think it was the back to the plot money. He just, Jeff did not want to go away. He, he, he wanted me to tell his story, which was very strange for me. Um, I'm very used to my friend's characters coming and telling me things and it I, I think it's a a nod to how well I work with them because I know their characters just as well as they do and it's been very strange when I'll be like hey wait a minute you know your character you know Joe Schmo came and he this is what he told me and the author goes 
Yeah, actually, I can see that. And that actually would fit into the next scene that I'm writing or whatever. So, uh, but this one, Mackie showed up for me uh, sitting at the bar saying this freaking sucks because, you know, he's watching another one of his best friends still trying to find his one. Um, and he wanted his one and he wanted me to give it to him. So I think that was the, the one thing that, but it didn't, it wasn't like I got the plot bunny and it was then done. Um, I wrote the first two or three scenes and then I didn't write anything else for two, three months, maybe. Um, but then it was like, okay, you got to finish it. You know, I showed it to, um, Laura Bomba who owns MLR, um, and Jen J.O. And they were both like, where's the rest of this? <laughs> um, Laura, you know, Laura's request, Laura's, Laura's response was, so when are we releasing it? Uh, Let me pencil you in on the schedule over here. <laughs> uh, we'll see here. I do the schedule. Oh. <laughs> so she's like, um, where are we putting you? So I think that was kind of the inspiration for the jump. Was it, you know, I said, oh, I'm going to write. No, it was more of. Uh, the character wanted his story told and he wouldn't let me feed him to anyone else. I was about to ask, you know, what what made this one one that wasn't going to another author? Um, I think what it was was I knew how much of the military needed to be in the story and how much what Scott was going through, you know, the, the love interest and, and what he would have to look at as his challenges and could he actually accept what he was going to have to do as a military spouse, uh, which is, you know, there's a lot that'll, that most people don't realize. And I think that was part of what I wanted to be able to tell out there. Mm -hmm. And we haven't mentioned yet the, the wonderful canine companion that is yes, in this story Dix. also. I love Dix. Um, Dix was so heartwarming just across the board. Um, and I assume yeah. you've had real, like, interactions with retired service dogs, too. I have had some interaction with retired military uh, working dogs. Um, I think right now I have two dogs. And if I brought more into the house, my husband would probably shoot me. <laughs> uh, he likes, you know, two's about his max right now. So, But I think at one point we, I would like to try to get a retired working dog. Mm -hmm. um, because they go through so much that... You, what are you going to do with them when they're done? They, they only have, you know, a short period where they can actually serve or unfortunately they get hurt while doing their job. And there's enough that they can still do once they're out that they're just amazing creatures that help us so much. Yeah. It was very cool to see, to see Dick's weave his way into the story as well. Mm -hmm. What was the toughest thing for you to make that transition to author um i think and i'm still struggling with it is um promo which is something that a lot of authors struggle with and how to get your name out there how do you so but i it's a little different for me because i'm already out there as an editor and you know people know me as you know the editor for mlr and you know I worked with Wild City for a while, and so I'm known as the editor, and now it's people are trying to make the transition of, wait a minute, she also writes now. So that's a little bit of a, that's, I think, what is my struggle. I didn't really struggle with the editing process, um, because as um, 
I asked the senior editor for MLR's imprint, Passion Imprint, to be my editor because I work so much on a daily, weekly basis with the MLR editors. I didn't want to put the pressure on one of them to say, hey, here, you're editing your boss now. Um, because I kind of know that because I am Laura's editor. So um, Gail, who, yes, does Gail, is, is she on my editing staff? Yes. Um, but she's more autonomous. So she asked, and when she got it, she was like, this is really clean. <laughs> there's not a lot of, there's not a lot here. And I was like, well, I, I think when you're working with, you know, a beta editor, a beta reader like I was, plus all my editing experience, that it was kind of a self-editing process as I went through it. So there weren't a lot of hiccups when I went to that point. What was the best thing about your author transition? Um, I think it's hearing from some that they've learned something from the book, something that they didn't realize before about the military or what a military spouse goes through or such. So I think that's been the best since I've been an author. Mm -hmm. That makes sense because that is getting that kind of feedback is always good. Yes, it is. And, and they're not, and because it's a subject that there's not a lot of books out there about it. Like there's a lot of books with military and, you know, like there's a Kendall McKenna's strength of the pack and strength of the mate and strength of the, the wolf where they're learning about, you know, they're set in military and, but there's not a lot about that one that's left behind in those books. And I thought that this was something that I could definitely bring to the table. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Now you mentioned that the editing process wasn't too difficult. You had, you mm -hmm. had somebody who wasn't directly on your staff necessarily, who's a little bit yes. autonomous and mm -hmm. it was a clean manuscript. Did anything surprise you going through the editing process yourself, as opposed to being on the other side of the desk? Um, I think because I'm so used to, I give them, I take my manuscript that I've edited and I send it to a line editor for when I'm working with an author and that comes back from the line editor. I go through it and clean it up and then I send it to the author. Um, I didn't have that in there because Gail did her, Gail did her edits, um, and then sent it back to me and then she was done. She, you know, I sent it to the line editor. I sent it to the proofreader. So I was getting that back. And then I was thinking, okay, commas. And, you know, I'm always about, everyone's about commas. Um, what is it? Um, Z.A. Maxfield says she uses them like litter. You can't have enough. You just spread them everywhere and, you know, they'll clean up somehow. Um, so I, I think that might've been it. I love that commas, even for you, who is the editor, is the problem. <laughs> um, they weren't really that much of a problem. So I actually was, I was kind of surprised that they weren't more of a problem for me. Because commas for me, I'm like, if I had to pay an editor by the number of times they move my commas, I would go broke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone, commas and semicolons are the, are the two that... You know, yes, semicolon, you can use semicolons and they're a legitimate form of punctuation, but don't use them in dialogue. <laughs> in dialogue, they don't necessarily work. That's very true. I, I Some of my earliest stuff, because Will's always my beta for my stuff mm -hmm. uh, before it gets out. He broke me a long time ago because he's like, do not give me 
semicolons in dialogue ever and preferably yeah. nowhere. So <laughs> Yeah, they're they're the one, you know, I always caution authors that when you're using punctuation, whether it's a comma, semicolon, exclamation point, whatever it is, um, use them sparingly because they can get overused and then lose their effectiveness. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of advice to mm -hmm. authors, and in this case, let's talk aspiring authors, those, those folks out there who are like, I get these plot bunnies and I don't know what, what to, to do. do with them. Mm -hmm. Now that you've taken one of your plot bunnies and gone off and done it, what's your advice to other people who are like, I'm not a writer. I, I've just got these plot bunnies, but I'm not a writer. Um, I would say probably take your time with it and listen to what the characters are telling you. Because as I've told authors, I can't even tell how many times I've said it. Once you get the story down on a piece of paper, I can teach you grammar. I can teach you where to put that comma. Um, but I can't tell you how to make the characters interesting. That's something I can't teach you. I can't teach you how to put the spark in the story. That's something that comes from inside of you. So I would say more worry about how the story develops, how your characters develop, because then you can find a beta reader or an editor that can teach you the grammar and how not to have a run on sentence. So I think that's my main is, you know, it's always you hear people say, write, And what can you do more to learn your craft more? Right. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So until you take that, that step and, and put your fingers to the keyboard or pen to paper, I can't edit a blank page. Right. I can. Yeah. So I think that would be my main. And on, um, over the years, God, 10 years now, it, it kind of shocks me when I think about it, but January is my 10 year anniversary with MLR. Congratulations. Thank you. That's awesome. Yeah. I started in uh, January of 2008 when my husband was deployed to Iraq. So, um, but I've read, I've written a lot of blogs over the past 10 years. I didn't realize how many until I moved them onto my website. So there's things there from pet peeves to, um, I wrote one one time and I, I had just read a book by J.R. Ward about, and in the story she had her, it was called the in-between, where it was the land between when you were alive or whether you were dead. And her, her character was, it was in the in-between. And um, I actually took that and wrote a blog about the in-between, which is not a no and not a yes, but a revise and resub. So um, all of those blogs are now on my website so people can go back and read them. And there's things about how to behave at a con. Goodness gracious, people. Um, yeah, or swag, you know, to swag or not to swag. What do you use for swag? And, you know, do I have to spend thousands of dollars on it and stuff like that? So, no, you don't. You don't. You know, one good piece of swag that people can, readers can connect with you in your series you're golden. Mm -hmm. Absolutely so, true. All of that stuff. So all of the, excuse me, all of the advice that I've given over the past 10 years um, in the form of blogs is over there. So people can go read it if they want, if they so choose. That'll be an amazing resource for folks who are, especially for folks who are coming into it. 
perhaps inspired by you to finally put pen to paper and, Maybe. and take a chance with one of those plot bunnies. They can. What was your your overall like process for the writing? Did you did you plot it? Did you pants it? Did you go in between? Um, I was in between. I had a list of points that I wanted to make sure were in and where they needed to go or not where they needed to go, but what I thought needed to be in the story to hit the points that really kind of needed to be, because at the time, at the beginning of the story, Scott has barely any interaction with the military has never really been friends with anyone in the military or married to the military. So he really didn't know what was going on. And so I had a a list of things that I knew needed to happen for him to get that knowledge. Um, And, you know, things like I really wanted to make that the wedding scene um, really impacted. Um, and show that, yeah, okay, maybe getting the first attraction of the guy in the really cool uniform, um, you know, as the starting point, isn't that bad. Um, and then to go from that of, okay, wait a minute, he's caught my interest now. Wait a minute, there, there's more to this that I need to know beforehand. So I, I did have a slight outline, a slight list. I didn't really have an outline. I didn't have, okay, in chapter 15, this needs to happen. But I did have a, a list of bullet points, I guess, is the best to, to say. And then I went from there. Um, and I had shared my, my bullet points with uh, JL, Jen. And uh, when I thought I was done, I was like, I'm done. Here you go. And she went back and she goes, wait, 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 wait. Where did this one go? Because I really think you need this one point to go back in. And I was like, oh, fine. <laughs> and I went back in and, and I twisted it in and, and got that in there. But so I don't, I'm not a pantser um, and I'm not an outliner, but I'm, I have bullet points that I need to hit. Mm-hmm. I think most people kind of fall in that in between yeah. somewhere. Because otherwise you just kind of outline yourself to death. <laughs> Yeah, you can, and and there are some that I know that really need to have those in-depth outlines. Um, and it can work. It, it, it can work when you take your outline and then you just start fleshing out your outline can work. Um, so that's one way that I know some do it. And what's coming up next for you as an author? My next book will be out in February. Fantastic. And so February, yes. Um, and it's called Explore With Me. And it brings back two characters from Wait For Me. We get to see um, Danny, and who is one of the Heptad, and Liam, who is um, Jeff Mackey, McNamara's brother. Um, and they kind of meet in New Orleans in the lead up to Mardi Gras. Liam is an emergency room doctor, and uh, Danny ends up in his uh, ER, and it goes from there. Ends yep. up in the ER. That's a tease right there. He ends up in the ER um, after falling off the balcony at Lafitte's. Oh, dear. Well, yeah. I, I'm looking very forward to that. When does that go on pre-order? Um, If I get off my butt and finish writing it, it should be on pre-order towards the end of January. Fantastic. We'll have to... Mm-hmm prompt people to that and I'll certainly be looking forward to it because I want to see the next the next of these adventures the yep the next um, one how much of a series do you think this is going to be are you planned to be on the second book um I think there's going to be at least one more after 
wait after explore with me cool trilogies are always good yeah i think that i don't really see it going past a trilogy at this point um but you never know who's going to show up in the stories in the books and and need their story exactly very cool that's what i'm looking at at this point and where can people connect with you online to keep up with everything um i am very active on facebook so find me on facebook chris jason uh, I am very, very bad at Twitter, but I am on Twitter at, at Chris Jason. I suck at remembering to tweet. I do. Um, I'm more apt to go on Facebook and put like a two line post on Facebook than I am to remember to tweet it. Um, and then I do have my website, which is www.chrisjason.com. And Jason is J-A-C-E-N, Chris with a K. Um, and then I'm always around MLR or email. Very so, cool. yeah, we'll link up to all those plus uh, give people the link to wait for me so they can go pick that up. Put all that yeah. in our show notes. OK, Chris, thank you so much for joining us and best of success on uh, Wait for Me and the sequel. Thank you so much for having me and I'm glad you enjoyed it. Thanks to Chris for joining us here on the show. Uh, the sequel that she spoke about, Explore With Me, comes out on February 9th. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm looking forward to reading that one. Uh, as we heard in the interview, we got a little little tiny sneak peek of what is coming in that book and uh yeah as soon as i can get the pre-order i'm going to be clicking on that and (laughs) and get it straight away awesome yeah now i think that'll do it for this week's episode Mm -hmm. coming up in episode 119 that's next week christina from christina's bookshelf will be here and she'll have some book recommendations for the new year yeah she's got some good stuff planned cool okay guys remember no matter where life takes you the journey will always be sweeter when you have a book until next time guys turning those pages and keep reading for detailed show notes and the complete episode backlist go to biggayfictionpodcast.com new episodes are available every monday on all major podcast distributors and youtube thanks for listening we'll see you next week